Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to the Liberate Yourself podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Trista Dedman. If this is your first time here, this is a platform for guests and I to share our stories of cultivating personal sovereignty in these transitional times using various metaphysical modalities. The aim with this project is to uplift and inspire your own personal work as we travel through this revolutionary time in society's history. I hope you can find something shared here to take with you on your own journey of unfolding. I wanted to check in with you guys now that we are on the other side of the intensity of this summer. We had eclipses along the Cancer Capricorn axis that brought us a greater sense of home and the structure of society, as well as a pretty soggy Mercury retrograde through both Cancer and Leo. This was a psychedelic experience in a lot of ways and opened up portals to becoming our true selves. I also feel like this was a time that we matured emotionally a great deal, taking on more responsibility in many ways that help us grow into knowing what our true self is, who our true self is. And personally, this was occurring directly along my Midheaven and North-South Node axis, which was felt very intensely. A lot was revealed around my public role and private life how I show up in the world, and also how I'm structuring this creative, esoteric business I'm building from my natural gifts. And that, I feel, was the biggest takeaway for me, is that every action I take and decision I make is now based on what feels most natural for me. Not blindly following the prevailing narrative, not that I ever did that, but just in contrast, not following any narrative or advice out there about how to do anything, because We're in this completely new space where we're building a new way of living with the remnants of an old system. We're not throwing it out, but we're building on top of what is well-founded. And this takes intuition and alignment and clear perception of how we can best be of service using our natural gifts. Now, at the time of this recording, it is the new moon in Virgo and a very intensely Virgo season, I have to say. Um, We have all the personal planets in Virgo, which is the practical mercurial earth sign that gets down to business and just gets things done. So now we're tasked with bringing into physical manifestation the expression of our unique soul and purpose. So I want to personally wish you a productive season aligning with your natural gifts and bringing those into the world for us. Speaking of bringing out your authentic expression, let's get to this transmissions guest who I am super excited to introduce you to. Joanna Lambert is a Jungian psychotherapist on a mission to help women discover and embody their wildish nature. Her individual practice and group work called Wildish Collective is inspired by the book Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes, as well as Carl Jung's work with Inner Alchemy and The Shadow. Joanna and I get into deep discussion about the resurgence of the feminine nature into society and how being willing to do the inner work shapes who we are from the inside out, as well as helps the collective to embody higher consciousness living. 
I really enjoyed this expanding conversation with Joanna, and I'm sure you will too. So let's get to it. As we established on our preliminary chat, I feel like we're going to have an easy, easy conversation for one, because we are both Pisces suns with a little Aquarian dust sprinkled on top. (laughs) So hopefully we can get really out there, which is exactly, you know, the point. (laughs) Um, Right. I feel like what we both have in common is this real passion for getting in tune with the inner self to direct our lives from a place of alignment with our purpose, essentially. That's why I wanted to bring you on, because I feel you have so much great wisdom to offer from the work you're doing, which is, and correct me if I'm wrong, basically a blend of psychotherapy and helping your clients get in touch or acquainted with their inner wildish nature, as you call it. I'd love it if you would share a bit about the work you're currently doing and about what has inspired you along the way to develop this model of learning to shape who you are from the inside out. Mm, Yes. Oh, goodness. You know, I always say that I wish I could remember when I came across the book Women Who Run With the Wolves, but I cannot. First of all, I just kind of fell into my role as a therapist kind of by accident. I was about six months post-graduation from spending six years on my undergrad, and I majored in philosophy, and I did not want to leave school, Uh and I reluctantly did. I said, okay, I'll graduate, and I'll enter the real world, and so I did, and I, I lasted about six months in a professional job where I was like, well, I I also need to go back to school. I can do this, but yeah. I need to go to school. And and I was just looking at programs, didn't know that I was going to go this route, but it was destined uh, because it is my work. It is my, uh, my purpose. It slowly evolved my practice and, and I've been doing it for about nine years now. What I've sort of whittled it down to is this focus on primarily work with women who are just seeking more clarity, particularly around what brings them in is more clarity around a particular issue. But what I always end up finding is that, you know, my orientation now very solidly is everything that we're going through, everything that we're experiencing, it's all pointing us on our path, the good, the bad, and the ugly, And what we're trying to do, what I'm listening for when I'm sitting down with women is who is the you that's trying to come through and tension and it's coming through conflict, difficulty in relationships, a general feeling of, uh, okay, so I've checked all the boxes that the culture prescribes, which is, you know, the job, the house, the partner, the car, the 2.5 children, but, eh, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, so is this it? Yeah. <laughs> to this feeling of this end of the road of like, I've okay, I've got it all. Because of course, as you know, the culture has this idea of, of what defines success, what, what is desirable that, that we're fed from the time we're so little. And then you get to it and you've got this full life, but but you've got this empty cup mm-hmm. on, on the inside. 
As you know, yeah, the this real focus on material gain and success, but we get next to no enrichment in the spiritual realm or the inner realm or even enough tools to understand or to navigate that space. So I feel like that's what you're helping bring through. Yeah, helping that come forward. Who, you know, who is the, in in Jungian thought, it's it's the archetype of the self with which, you know, with the capital S, uh, the self. You know, everybody's got this archetype of the self mm-hmm. and it comes mm-hmm. in your own individual flavor, you know, nearly 7.7 billion people on the planet and it's all different. And so I'm constantly listening. I'm, I'm trying to detect patterns and, you know, what are the themes here? And they're pointing toward healing and everyone knows Freud. I feel like everyone knows Freud. I'm very Jungian in my approach. And so what I always tell people, I feel like I'm probably telling you things you already know, but both um, Freud and Carl Jung, each individually on their own came to this, not, not a new idea, but they were sort of the first ones of their time to really label it and put it out into mainstream culture in the realm of the psyche, this idea of the unconscious that we're being shaped and motivated continually. Our behavior is driven by these unconscious thoughts, unconscious patterns present uh, based on childhood. And for Freud, it was very uh, reductive, might be an extreme word, but he was very emphatic that it was very much related to childhood. And then the beauty of Jung was that, yes, yes, we are sort of pushed from the past, our past and shaped from our past experiences, those patterns that were laid down, but we're also pulled from the front. Mm. This idea by by spirit, by the self, by our energetic blueprint that mm-hmm. that we carry the tree, uh, the acorn carries that archetype of the tree and that, you know, you don't have to tell the acorn what to do, it just does. And so this flowering and this blossoming from the inside out. And that's always what I'm looking for in my individual work. And then in my group work, like I said, I wish I wish I could remember how I came across Women Who Run With The Wolves, but written by Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, also a Jungian analyst, you know, all about, you know, how to get in touch with the innate instinctual self and particularly, you know, that that feminine within that really has lain dormant for a very long time. And the kind of femininity that is more instinctual and in tune with self and more well-rounded, again, as opposed to what the culture likes to define as feminine. Mm-hmm. And so that's what my program is about, Wildish and Wildish Collective is we we go through the book together and I'm giving them material and it's all about getting in touch with that innate yeah. instinctual self. I feel like that's so, so very important because if you look at recent, even just the last century, there are there it's like there were patterning, there were patterns that we were given to conform to. And I would even say that in most recent times, it was heavily, heavily masculinized. Like in order for a woman to Mm. be considered, I don't know, this is probably extreme, but almost to be considered valuable in society, we also have to step up and be the the hunter along with the men and the gatherer. (laughs) Yes. Do all of it. 
and that is not, I'm, I'm not disparaging, you know, any, any gender at all. This isn't about gender. It's about the energy, the patterning. But even before that, I feel like, you know, the, the feminine was also patterned in this way by society that was not allowing that instinctual nature. You know, I'm looking at like mid-century, the fifties when, you know, we had to be buttoned up and, you know, serving, serving the children, serving the household and everything, um, which is beautiful work, but that was kind of all that was given (laughs) to women. Would you agree? Oh yeah. That that was, yes. I, I, I always refer to the fifties as sort of like the, the height of when women were really right. That was the option. That was the option. And, and I let, yeah, it's always an image of being incredibly buttoned up and on point and on task and not a hair out of place. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that, that was the only option it seems. And, and I often think of my grandmother, but yeah. And so of course, then we have the women's movement, but it feels like that first wave of the women's movement was very much like you said, I can do anything a man can do, but better. And it was like, we were given in order to be in it, be in the market, in order to compete, to be in the marketplace, to be in the workplace, we needed to put those incredibly tailored slacks on, you know, flex our muscles and enter in a very masculine way. And I feel like new feminism is, and of course, you know, any, any human, regardless of gender, if that masculine way is aligned and authentic and it works well for them and it feels like a good fit, power to you. But I think it left women again with not many options. It's either mm-hmm. 1950s housewife or it's, you know, put your <laughs> put your big britches on and and let's enter the workforce. And so now I feel like new feminism is a resurrection of. I would say archetypally feminine values that we don't have to do it in a masculine way. We can show up as we are with our whole self and across the board, seeing that resurrection of the feminine values just rising. And these are what these values are Mm -hmm. and, and they, they deserve an equal place at the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I think it's with the divine feminine energy, really coming in. I think that all of us are just getting an education in what that is again. I know I have personally, and I'm sure a lot of your clients are probably just feeling these things instinctually. It's like, what is this? I need to recognize what it is and integrate it. That's what I've been feeling. And I have a feeling that that's what's going on in some of your sessions is if it's rising around it, you know, everything is within, so without. So if it's rising from within us, what does that mean for me? How does that express through me? How, how can I integrate that into, into this life? And it's probably like busting down a lot of preconceived notions about their life and the life that they've built. Mm -hmm. I would imagine. It is. It absolutely is. And I, um, often will say I'm, I'm a cheerleader. I'm, 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 I'm telling that that is what's happening. You're exactly right. They're feeling these energies rise because again, like you said, they're rising across the board, regardless of gender, that feminine energy is rising and, and people there, there really isn't a place for it. And so people are carving out a place for it. And my role is always to support it 
because when it arises, what we do is we internalize the cultural values. And so we want to dismiss it. We want to make it go away. You know, I keep having this thing come up. It feels uncomfortable. I'd like for it to go away. And you come up with a lot of people, perhaps in, in my profession, that maybe might support that and, and might say, okay, let's, you know, six weeks to a perfect solution, implement this program and like, you know, let's ban Very linear thinking. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I will say, okay, what is coming through? It consistently comes through every time they've tried to push it back down um, because it doesn't fit anywhere. It doesn't fit in what they've learned about themselves. It doesn't fit in what they've learned about the culture. And what they come across, of course, are a lot of people because we all carry this sort of cultural ideas, this soup we're swimming in where it's in us. And so they come up against a lot of opposition. So I just support it. I say, this is, this is what this sounds like is happening. This is what it sounds like it is. And, you know, sort of this assessment of like, you know, it keeps showing up, maybe see what it wants, see what it mm -hmm. wants you to do. I just let them know, of course, that you're going to have to find a place for it. And, and truly, I let people know all the time, you're carving a new path, you're blazing a trail. I do let people know collectively what is happening that I see. It sits down in front of me on my couch every single day. That Yeah. That message of you're not the only one, I think, is really important, right? You're not the only one going through this. You're not the only one having yeah. these feelings. That's really important in my work as well. It's the whole reason we're here. Yes. <laughs> um, because, yeah, that awareness is is so crucial. I think we've been in this, you know, collective narrative of separation that kind of perpetuates that feeling like, oh, it must just be me if I don't see it around me yet. And that's what is so important is to realize yeah, I love that you're doing that. Letting people know that you are blazing a trail. Like you can, you know, get creative. There's nothing more creative than feminine energy. It is the energy of creation. So let's, that's how I feel is like, let's allow that it's space. It, it doesn't operate the same as the divine masculine. It doesn't go out there and get it done. Right. It receives its magnetic. And that is so hard incubates is that what you said incubates like it'll sit with it for a while yeah. rather than okay i found this thing and let's go yeah um, i mean think about a baby it takes nine yeah. months to create a human and you don't see it it's no, mysterious it's we don't even know how it happens right. <laughs> you know right yes that's the feminine mystique my my mom would always tell me you know of my own birth story the thing that she would tell me the most uh was about my dad, who was just drinking black coffee, pacing the halls all day, you know, that <laughs> masculine energy is not in tune with this. It can get a little edgy. There's, there needs to be something to do, but the woman has had this experience of sitting, you know, yeah. and so she can sit and she can be with, and she can go internal and yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. I feel like that's what I've been bringing in. Um, you know, just being an entrepreneur and we talked about this too, uh, for ourselves, it, it takes real practice, like daily practice to get out of the, um, it, it's a balance, you know, business, um, livelihood takes harmonious balance of both masculine and feminine and uh, actions. 
or not, or inaction as it were. And I think that what the biggest trust, especially with, with work, career, with life, what, what have you is, is really knowing that that feminine element is built to receive and it's built to draw towards it, to magnetize. It's the, it's the opposite of going out and getting it. That's what I've learned anyways, to incorporate that, to, to let it be okay, because we can be so hard on ourselves if we're not just producing, producing, producing. Yeah. And we're not built to do that. So I feel like anyone that is, you know, blazing their own trail or trying to carve out what their space in the cosmos or in the, you know, in the, on this planet looks like really the wisdom, at least half of it should come from that willingness to, yeah, trust and just having faith that the answers will come. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It, yeah, it, it makes perfect sense to me. That's exactly right. I love, I don't know if you've read any of Dr. Christiane Northrup's work, but she wrote Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, and she's a leader in women's holistic health and um, has written many books, and she's a board-certified OBGYN. And what she says, she uses the symbolism of the egg versus the sperm, and that the egg, when she's ready, she just, she comes out, and she does nothing. She just sits there. She takes a slow journey and she just sits there. But these, these sperm, millions of them, if they enter the environment, they're going nuts to get to her. Like the race is on. And that's such a picture of femininity versus masculinity is, is that the egg, you know, that egg wisdom mm -hmm. to just sit and draw in and receive. Yeah. And then I also want to say, Jung was big on holding the tension of opposites. Yes. And that if you're willing to hold the tension of this way or that way, you know, the thesis and the antithesis, if you hold it long enough and with a willing consciousness, that that third something will arise. That, and he called it the transcendent function. That that something will come of that if you're just willing to carry that tension of not mm -hmm. knowing which way to go or the next step. Mm. That's beautiful. Especially I have a lot of, I'm a Libra rising, have a lot of Libra energy that really speaks to me. Like oh, that's what yes. that finding equilibrium. Mm. And that's what, what balance and fairness is really about. It's that tension between the opposites it's like the tension in the middle the joint of the scale yes it's not necessarily the it, this or that yeah oh, that's beautiful that's beautiful imagery too that joint of the scale it feels like and it does it feels like tension sometimes because you have to yeah keep that balance but <laughs> what part does the because you're you're so in tune especially being a pisces um, but you're so in tune with, you know, the intangible realms, like you do listen to your inner guidance. What I love about how you explain your work is that you're teaching people to become more in tune with their, their inner self so that they can direct their lives. What part does your connection with all that is consciousness 
what part does that play in how you are able to guide, uh, even able to guide your own transformation, but also to guide others, your clients' transformation? Does that play a part? That's oh. a weird. That's a weird question. <laughs> yes, absolutely, it does. Uh, so much so that I that I'm not quite sure how to answer that question. <laughs> that's okay. A really big emphatic yes. Yes, it does. So, of course, for me, as you know, you know, being a Pisces and also having quite a bit of of air energy, grounding is really important to me. So, for me, that just looks like a very, very regular practice of connecting to spirit and um, and grounding within myself, you know, and not up here in my head, but but really down here mm-hmm. in my belly and and even in my womb, you know, I love this idea of womb wisdom. Yeah. And you know, the pelvic floor itself being sort of the seat of feminine wisdom. And so connecting to that a lot. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like women are, your clients are more, are open to the more mystical side of getting in touch with their, their feminine energy? Or do you feel like they're very resistant at this point? Like what does that tension feel like or look like? So speaking of the egg and drawing people in, I feel like a especially within the past couple of years where I have got more in tune and more aligned with my inner self than ever before. I have just drawn in these women that are open and starving for this wisdom. And that's what I'm seeing out in the world is this starving for this deep, authentic connection, because we're really at the height of We've got it all. We've got everything at our fingertips, quite literally. Yes. And so Jung also said, the bigger the front, the bigger the back. We've got everything imagined, you know, possible for for people who have access to it at our fingertips, you know, the American dream and yada, yada, yada. But holy smokes, we're really lopsided, you know, talk about balance. And so there we're coming in and, and we're looking for, you can see me, I'm like pointing front. We've got this, oh, all this back here, we're dragging behind us, all this shadow. But yes, this, my own alignment has, has you know, I, and I do believe that that's how it works. As soon as you get aligned and in tune, that your environment is going to just adjust and adapt and also feel more in tune. So, and, you know, I'm very, I have a lot of trust in the universe and have this feeling of whoever needs to come see me, comes to see me and whoever doesn't, doesn't. And and this is something that I say in session with people. I let them know, I give them kind of a general framework of Jungian psychology, Jungian thought, and let them know, you know, my stance on spirituality, synchronicity, mm-hmm. things like that. If they're open, which many, many are in the first session, we will, you know, pull up their astrology chart. We'll look at the energies there. I'll give them just the basic introduction of why I use it, why Carl Jung used it. But this is what I tell them, that it's critically important that I say my role is to try to tune in to you. And I will let you know, my role is to throw out what I see. If it doesn't resonate, 
If it doesn't stick, let it go. But if it resonates, then let me know that's material that we need to work with. Everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say that. Everybody's got enough intuition to say that feels right. That feels a little off track. Let's keep going. Looking. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's yeah. That's a great like natural way of doing it. Well, one thing I I wanted to touch on, segue even, is how do you feel? Because it can be it can be construed this kind of you know focus on the self as being like narcissistic or selfish, and it's just not as we know. But how do you feel or how do you see? focusing on the self and doing the inner work, doing the shadow work, doing the the self-transformation? How do you see that bringing us all together and helping the collective? Mm, Okay. Yeah. This is a big one for me because I am so focused on internal work and, and many people particularly doing this sort of wild woman work. Um, There's a, there's very much a focus on sisterhood and being together, which which is the natural wildish way and is important. It is so important to be plugged into community and it's also important to be plugged into a piece of land is what I'm learning the more I do this work. Be really rooted in mm. nature and in the earth. I, I feel that so much right now. <laughs> yeah, a lot. And I've noticed um, a lot of people that I talk to, friends, like feel the same way. It's like everyone is kind of looking for options of getting land like outside urban areas and to work with it in various ways. So just incredible. (laughs) Because never before have we been so detached from our earth mother ever in history. So that, that is so important. I would never want to discount that, but I really do in my own journey, emphasize the internal work going inward, turning towards self, who is the you, that's trying to come through. Francis Weller is another author and uh, he calls himself a soul activist. He's a beautiful teacher, uh, you know, in this realm of, of getting connected to self. And he tells this beautiful story. He's, he's done studies with various indigenous cultures and was brought into these cultures in a really beautiful way. And he tells this gorgeous, gorgeous story of a particular tribe in which it was common practice when a woman became pregnant, the the elders, the shamanic elders of the group would bring her into ceremony and put her into just a gentle trance or state of relaxation. And they would speak with the, they would communicate with the soul that she was carrying forward. And they would ask this little soul, what was their mission? What were they bringing to the world and what was their medicine that they were bringing to the community based on what they received they would name the child from that and so that every single time this child's name was uttered she was very much in touch with the medicine that she was to bring forth into the world oh (laughs) my god just i mean can you even right if only yeah yes and and dare I go on a tangent but our education system is set up in such a way that children it is 
dictated from day one, from the time they are born, that they are to absorb the information that we identify as important to, yep. you know, participate in the global economy and become competitive, you know, our cultural values, we become these little, you will learn these, and, and this is the information you need in order to do that, mm-hmm. rather than much more creative models that are geared toward what is the imagination of the child? What is the child here to create? So it's very outside in rather mm-hmm. than inside out. And that, yeah. So it's, for me, it's all about inside out, inside out, shedding layers, shedding layers, shedding expectations. Who is the real you? And, and this is something, your question about, you know, it could be seen as being self-centered, but going back to that story, that if we could see that every single person, whatever kind of creator you believe in, uh, or whatever your belief is, every single person, you know, the defining feature of being human is that every single one of us are unique. And that we have a particular set of gifts and a particular set of medicine, really, that we are honor bound to connect to and to cultivate and to bring to the world. And when we're able to do this, I mean, imagine you you Mm -hmm. said only if with that story, only if we were to teach children from a very young age to listen to that inner guidance because it comes directly from source, mm-hmm. directly from source. And God does good work, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's when you know, we it rem- sure that it gets messed up. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, what you're speaking about reminds me of Rudolf Steiner. Are you a fan of his work? Okay. I, I mean, know a little of his work, but yes, I, yes. So basically, yeah, that's what anthroposophy um, was was based on the the philosophy that he spearheaded. But that's what Waldorf schools are built on is his philosophy, which is just mm-hmm. gorgeous. I mean, these kids because they are it's self guided. It's very much in tune with the natural order of the universe and attuning yourself to the the child attuning themselves to that themselves and it's very very um intuitive you know really honing that intuition and like you said like you know the acorn is going to grow into a tree that's very much like part of that experience um learning that way is is really getting in tune with how, and you're right. Like we don't, I just talked about this on the last episode that's about to come out, but in our most recent history, our education system is set up to essentially make us factory workers (laughs) or yeah, essentially to, you know, train us into, um, earn more profit, not for ourselves, but you know, for, for the heads of, of these businesses and in the economy. But, I really feel that that is changing. Like I'm trying to put to words what is is coming to me like as you're speaking. And what I was getting is like this is so old and so tired it's not even relevant anymore. Like just you know it's it's like system these systems are and that's what this time is for. You know the astrologically energetically that's what we've been experiencing is they are going away. It's not going to happen overnight, but we all in some way feel that it is just not relevant anymore. 
and the kids coming in, they're not having it. They oh. are not even, it doesn't work on them. <laughs> no. You know? They, yeah. They're not, they're not drinking the Kool-Aid or, you know, whatever you want to call it. They're just not having it. You're so right. Cause you're a mother, yeah. right? Yes. Uh, I have a seven and a three-year-old. I mean, it's a personal question, but how are you um, helping to proliferate that, to hone their own intuition and their own guidance system and, and be their best selves from the inside out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, we're talking about it all the time with them, particularly with my seven-year-old because she's older, you know, from the time she was little, I'm, I, I emphasize how important her imagination is and her creativity and I tell her that creativity is what will save the world but I also you know I'm a Pisces so I'm constantly asking how how they're feeling yeah you You know how did that make you feel and and what was going on in your body when that was going on and so just in these very subtle ways using this language of this is the most important thing and I do let her know this is these are some things you might hear at school particularly around boys and girls roles. And I let her know that, you know, some families believe that, you know, certainly my family growing up, you know, girls like to, girls should wear pink. I've had this literally spoken to me. Girls should wear dresses and they should like pink. And you're going to hear these things. And and just know that in our family, we we don't necessarily think that that is true. And I say, you know, what does your heart tell you? When you hear something that kind of makes you go, huh, you check in with your heart and what does your heart tell you? And I feel like that's good, easy language. Yeah. To, to go within to your heart center and check in there. Because kids get that. They haven't had that block yet. They get it. That's beautiful. I'm so happy you're doing that. That seems like a really great blend of, because they are at this, at this transitory space where there, there are still the, the institute, the educational institutions, um, as they were that I'm sure are changing from the inside out as well, but being able to be that guide at home and, and yeah, that's awesome to help her to have her own point of view as well. I think is, that's really the key. I think that what was happening with us a lot of times is it was like, yeah, you just got to go to school because you have to and just listen to what they say or whatever. But there wasn't a whole lot of reinforcement around, you know, thinking for yourself or or using your your heart space, your intuition to guide you instead. It was really this kind of narrow focus to get them to college, get that, you know, this idea of security, the supposed security. Absolutely. Which at one point was really all that was available. It's true. It was, a it was needed. Job. Yeah. 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 But, but like you said, it's not working anymore. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to say one more thing about the critical importance of going within and just like one more thing for people to chew on in regards to the question about, well, is it self-centered and should we, shouldn't we be more focused? in a humanitarian way outward. And of course we need to do work out in the world, but I, I wanna say, you know, one more little notch for that inner work. The inner work also has to be done. It is so critical because what we know is that, you know, whether you realize it or not, like I've shared and, you know, this idea of the unconscious is that we're constantly being pushed, our behavior, 
unconsciously to make choices that we do, to have the reactions that we do. And if someone is unwilling to do the inner work, it doesn't mean that these things are not going to happen. These things are going to happen anyway. And what we see is that if we can't look at the shadow within, we are going to see it everywhere else in the world. And we are going to project all of that shadow material onto everyone else, blame everyone else, make everyone else wrong. And that creates tension, opposition, of course, lack of harmony. And it's just antithetical to any sort of higher realm of consciousness that we're wanting to get to. And people can probably maybe go in just really quickly into the Rolodex of their mind and see who out there in the media uh, might be some of those projection machines in which nothing can move forward. And so the beautiful thing about Carl Jung and the magic about him was that whenever he came across something, whether it was a difficulty, something that was painful to look at, something that was, you know, nothing you'd want to own about yourself, you know, nothing you'd want to say, is that in me too? He was willing to say, where is that in me? And when we can take the projection back, we can take our power back with it and we can change it again from the inside out rather than wanting to will everyone else around us to change. It's not going to happen. No. Yeah. Yeah. Just realizing that every, you know, if we live in a, I mean, this is, you know, my conceptualization or my belief, you know, if we live in a holographic universe, if we are an individual shard of the whole, then there is no separation. There is no us versus them. There is no like, there really should be no blaming because that blame, yeah, you're right. It's projecting from outside of us. I mean, that happens all, that is projection, right? Like we see, we have a problem with what someone else is doing. And that really is something in us that we need to examine and integrate. And that is, that's what we see happening with all of the chaos and, and everything swirling and, and happening around us. It is the collective shadow coming to the surface so that, it can be addressed and integrated. That's just what these times are for. That's like this bridge. We're in this bridge time where we got to do a little cleanup before we go forward. And I feel like with everyone, it's so important for everyone to do their own individual shadow work. There's various ways of, of doing that, but just being willing to not be so... There's really this prevalent idea of self-righteousness I feel mm. I am right they are wrong and when we really get caught up in that net or that that trap that narrative then we're we are we're unwilling to admit that there are some parts of us that we're not not very proud of or not very happy the things that were shamed latent shame that can be brought to light in order to be to be healed just because we have the and correct me if I'm wrong if you feel the same way just because we have things that make us feel shameful doesn't mean that we are bad. It doesn't mean that these things are even wrong or bad or that we are a bad person. Right. It, I think that people get stuck there because if they go to that dark place, if they remember that thing that happened to them that made them feel shame in the beginning, then they're going to remember 
oh, I'm a bad person. They feel like, I, I think that they feel like they're going to take that on and then, then be that thing that they were made to feel like. That's a kind of roundabout <laughs> statement, yeah, no, but absolutely. I don't know. Do you feel like people are more with your with your clientele? Do you feel like people are more willing to look at those darker corners right now? Yes. Good. Yeah. I, I, I think so too. I, I see. I see an incredible willingness in many, many, many people who are just willing to say, you know, it doesn't even take necessarily, you know, maybe that's a few leaps ahead to be like, where is this in me? But people who are just willing to say, all right, what's going on? Yeah. There's something going on here that I'm not seeing. What can I do? Yeah. I'm I'm seeing that kind of willingness. Because it's not just as simple as I I think most people are waking up to the fact because everyone's consciousness has has risen, has gone up, like no matter who you are. So I think that most people are waking up to the fact that it's not about, oh, they are wrong and that's just the end of it. Well, what now is kind of what I've always asked. If those people are wrong or if that person is wrong, well, what are you going to do with that? How does that enrich you? How does that help you to move on? How does that help you grow? And I feel like the fact that we're willing to look at those parts of ourselves now shows great maturity, you Mm. know? Or yes. wherever the person is, wherever they are, whatever stage they are in life, that I feel like is really great maturity to be able to hold that yeah. and work and work with that and not spit it out, spew it out to yeah. others. Yeah. Jung had another thing that he said that that anytime there is an emo- you're having an emotional response to something that happened, whether in conversation, you know, on job, friends, whatever. Anytime you're having a heightened emotional response, it is touching a place in you that is most likely in need of healing. So, and and we can see this, anyone can see this any time of day where two people were in the same room when this one thing was said and say it's you and your close friend. And then after this meeting is over, you're going, oh my gosh, can you believe that they said that? I just... And they're going on and on and on. And the friend is like, wait, what? <laughs> no, I, get, I guess I missed that. Or like, oh, I didn't think that was a big deal at all. He was just trying to say this. And you're like, no, uh-uh. There, there was a tone and there was a, and so that's hitting something in you that's important for you to look at. The other person, they have a different wound. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I always say this is such a critical part of my work. That where the wound is, again, it's not a new idea, but within the wound is contained the gift. And, you know, in alchemy, this this whole idea of the prima materia, the masa confusa, you know, the material that we're working with, I think everyone can admit we have a lot, we have a lot of shit to work with. You know what I mean? This world Mm -hmm. gives us a lot of material, much of it unpleasant and difficult and just tangled and confusing And in alchemy, the idea was, okay, take the material, put it into a container, uh, warm it. The idea of the container is so important, whether that's one friend that you can talk to about anything, whether that's a therapy session, whether that's a group, whether that's a piece of art, whether it's you and your journal, you know, whatever the container, take the material outside of the self to get a little separation from it. And that's the idea of a container is that now it's contained in this separate 
thing and I can kind of examine it. I can kind of see and I can make it less personal. I can make it less about me when I pull it out and I can look at it in this container. But then we have to warm it. And, you know, there were use of other materials. So fire, solvents, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. put it in there. And then this idea that we're going to warm it, we're going to maybe see what can come of it. And the wound carries that medicine and that gift. What I have found is that there's always a gift within the wound and it just, we have to be willing to look. And that's where our own genius is discovered and developed. Mm -hmm. Very well said. Thank you. Yeah, um, that's really the path of of inner alchemy. Yeah, because I think that there is a fear that we'll just get stuck there or that we're oh, going to be there forever. I've been there. I've been stuck there. <laughs> completely. And you process. feel like it's this bottomless pit. You're going to get lost in there. Yeah. Like you're, you're not lost. even going to be a person anymore. You just fade away or something, but, but walk it, the willingness to walk through that is so redemptive. I mean, it is that quality of redemption and, and not from a, in a religious sense. I kind of use the word redemption just as that, that glory that comes from, you know, the bravery and this, and the strength that is built by yeah. walking, walking through that, walking that path. Redemption. I think that's beautiful. That is redeeming. what it is. We have redeeming this. qualities. Reclaiming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm reclaiming this piece of my life. And you know what? It might have been hard. It might have been difficult. Uh, but I'm going to make something beautiful out of it. And yeah. that's the whole idea of alchemy and, and why Jung was so insistent that alchemy was the closest thing you could get to the, to the inner workings of the psyche. It's that idea of turning base materials into solid gold. Mm -hmm. look, look what I did. Look... I sat with this for a really long time and you know what? It was hard and it was confusing and I didn't understand really what's going on. And there was a lot of darkness, actually. I had to like light a candle, but then I, you know, <laughs> you know, always this whole scene, I, I love envisioning, you know, the alchemist in there. Yeah. <laughs> There's stone dwellings, you know, doing this work by candlelight and um, it's, it's dingy. It's musky. It's, you don't know what's going to happen. Things could blow up in your face but you stuck with it. And now, and now you've got this alchemical gold. You've got this invaluable piece of yourself that has been worked and cultivated. And that's the whole idea, you know, from birth to death, like we're just constantly trying to cultivate our own medicine. And what we do, our own woundedness, we will look for the medicine for that. And, you know, the final process of of alchemy was and of initiation into self was that not only are you going to bring yourself your own medicine because that's what we do have to learn we we have to learn that we're going to have to do the work of healing nobody else is going to fix us nobody's going to do it for us and then you complete the process when you bring that medicine forth out into the world and share with others this is an incredibly mm -hmm. indigenous cultural value is wow yeah you're right yeah it's this old it's old it's not new <laughs> it's not new it's just been blocked for a long time by modern society because modern society says i'll give you what you need i'll yep. sell it to you for this price yep <laughs> and look to the government they have the answers they'll take care of you that's right what are your kind of future visions you know the ideal of 
what we're progressively moving towards. How, how do you, what are your kind of visions for how society may be operating in five, 10, 20 years? Mm. You, is this something you, you think about or envision oh, on? It is. it is something I think about. And for me, I love working in the realm of femininity and masculinity. I'm in love with the divine feminine that's rising. And from what I can, from what I've read, what I understand is that we've spent time in, uh, you know, matriarchy many, 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 many moons ago. Mm -hmm. And then we're now here, right, smack dab in the middle of the patriarchy. And so we've experienced centuries of each. And from what I can tell right now, we, we are pushing into this balance. What I get most excited about looking forward and especially seeing it, like you said, in this new generation, they are just blowing the doors wide open. They, they are like, we're human first. And especially, you know, non-binary to spirit these people who are saying, oh, I don't fit in either one of these boxes. Where do I fit and who am I? And these children are coming in this way. And it's beautiful to see and beautiful to watch. So I feel like we are closing the door on patriarchy. You know, matriarchy was, the door was closed on that long ago. Closing the door on patriarchy. You know, we're, I think we're in a threshold, actually. The door isn't yeah. even closing yet. We're in this however many miles long of a threshold or deep dark tunnel. Yeah. Um, and we're coming into what does union look like? We're coming into union. Mm -hmm. It's really messy, but that's, I can see it on the horizon. I can see it. Yeah, me too. Um, I was just thinking, I think that we're both Pluto and Libra generation. I think, yes. how, how old are you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm 36. So. Okay. Yeah. So You're right really at the end. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. And I, that's what I was thinking of because I was thinking with the Pluto and Scorpio generation, they're essentially in general, they're the millennials um, who, when you were talking about alchemy, that's why I love this generation. I love interacting with this generation because that's just what they are naturally doing. They're uncovering, you know, the darkness, the things that were uh, hidden before Mm -hmm. and, so and Scorpio you yes mean, yes right? yeah exactly like transmuting that and they're doing it very naturally it's like Beautiful. their thing and I feel like when you were just talking about balance with because I feel the same way Pluto and Libra generation you know we our our focus and our passion what we're pulled to do is to create that create that harmony and equilibrium in all things especially with divine masculine and feminine because I feel that very deeply as well like it's it's in that midpoint at like everything is in that balancing of the polarity. Like that is transcendence. That's kind of where we can bring in our own medicine as a, as a generation, you know, collectively. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And then you have the Pluto and Sag generation that they're pretty much the ones that are just like blowing it open or like, you know, trying to find truth. What's the truth? <laughs> the the right. highest truth. <laughs> capital T, baby. Where yep. is it? I'm going to get it. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then I feel like um, your, uh, you know, your children, their age group, Pluto, Pluto and Capricorn, and the, the, all the kids that are being, the babies that are being born right now, like their generation, I really feel like is going to be the ones that rebuild. 
you know, that rebuild those new systems after the flaming horizon is expanded. (laughs) All of the flaming arrows that are. (laughs) Yeah. Seeing where they land. That is, oh, that excites me. To be quite honest, we may not see it. It may not be in our lifetime, but I feel like, you know, what we're here to do is to bring light to that, that mm-hmm. need and work with the, the energy that is rising as the, you know, enfleshed soul that we are and what we can do in our role yes. in, in order to usher that in. Wow. This has been a great conversation. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I've loved it. So let's, we can wrap it up, but I definitely uh, let people know where they can find you online if they want to get in touch and maybe join your collective. Yeah. My website is wildishcollective.com and I am also on Instagram. I'm kind of, sort of, I'll say on Facebook, Um, but I have a much more active presence on Instagram if people want to find me there and they can find out about work my individual work as well as my my group work and the online program I'm offering. All right. Well, thank you so much again for being here and we'll have to do it again. So much. It was so great. I hope you found some wisdom to take away with you for your own inner work this season. All the resources we mentioned can be found in the show notes at tristadedman.com. To get in touch with Joanna and join the Wildish Collective, visit her website at wildishcollective.com and also follow her at wildishcollective on Instagram. If you enjoy these kinds of conversations, I invite you to join a benevolent group of supporters of this project on my Patreon page. Patrons receive early access to all transmissions as well as exclusive astrological materials and readings. To find out more, visit patreon.com slash liberate yourself. Thanks so much for listening and take care out there, guys.